Welcome back to Corn Syrup, a horror podcast. I'm Tyler. Welcome back, Mike. It's good to be back, Ty. Um, I want to address the rumors everybody's been hearing online. Um, they're not true. I was not fired from Corn Syrup. Um, I was, however, placed on leave after tweets of mine resurfaced from 2010, where I claimed that the Nightmare on Elm Street remake was the best movie in the franchise. Um, that's not how I feel now. I was 18 when I made that tweet. Um, to anybody I offended, I apologize. To my family and friends, to my co-host Tyler, uh, that's not who I am. That's not how I was raised. Um, that movie's a piece of shit. So I apologize. Um, I took these two weeks to go back and learn, and um, I came back a better person. Well, look, man, we all have skeletons in the closet, and we all do stupid shit when we're young. Um, I, I, I know you saw treatment for this, and I, I know how remorseful you are, and I, I'm just ready to move on with the podcast. <sighs> Thanks, man. <sighs> Fuck. Well, look, man, it's good to have you back. You're, you're a better man for this. I am. Uh, you know, I've learned a lot, and I'm just happy to be back here with you, Ty. Let's get into the latest horror news since it's been a few weeks since we spoke. How about that uh, that new Halloween Kills teaser trailer? Yeah, that's the second one that they've actually dropped. Uh, you know, we're a year out from it coming to theaters. Uh, it dropped on October 29th. Uh, it was only 36 seconds long, the trailer, but they gave us a lot. You know, we got to see Tommy Doyle. We saw Lindsay Wallace. Um, it looks great. I'm so excited to see it. Man, there's a couple cool images of Michael Myers. The scene where he's picked up the mask, I wonder what's going on. It leaves you wanting more, and that's kind of the point of a teaser trailer. Right. That's why it's called a teaser. But uh, With his three fingers that, yeah. you know, after they got blown off at you, the end of Halloween 2018. And there's some gore. You see a bloody Andy Matichak. I'm uh, kind of getting some Halloween 2 vibes from watching this. You know, it's going to take place in the hospital. It looks yeah. like it's, it's going to take place on the same night. As Halloween 2018. Um, it's actually coming out 40 years to the day of Halloween 2, which is really cool. And I know that wasn't on purpose, but since it got pushed back a year, um, I actually have very high expectations for this movie. Um, I know me and you weren't super high on Halloween 2018, but you and I both expect this to be a little bit better and more fast-paced, more kills. And just by watching that teaser trailer, I, I mentioned to you before the show started that it's so cool to see Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise treated with such care, such pretty cinematography. And I mean, I, I, I just love that. And, and to me, that's like the best part of Halloween 2018 is that I saw Michael Myers on the big screen in 2018. Right. Because it's far from a perfect movie. You and I both have our gripes about it. Uh, but, but just seeing a modern Michael Myers Halloween movie was the shit, man. And this one, ha I think this one has the potential to, to, to elevate that franchise a little bit. Of course. I mean, I think that's why we hate Halloween 5 and Halloween Resurrection so much. Those were so rushed and they didn't really care about that movie. They And they didn't care about Michael Myers. So they just wanted to make a quick buck um, with this uh, trilogy that we're getting. They definitely put their time and effort into it. And it sucks it got pushed back a year, but... I think it will be worth the wait. Yeah, man. A year goes by fast. It'll be here before you know it. Um, let, let's also get into... So, a couple years ago, there was a fan film, a Friday the 13th fan film called Never Hike Alone. And you and I really liked this movie. Both of us liked this movie. You know, it was very short. It was like 40 minutes long. And we weren't expecting minutes. anything from it. I yeah. think you texted me saying, watch this fan-made Friday movie. I mean, I said, okay, fine. I mean, I watch a couple... Every year, not expecting much. Yeah, you go in with low expectations. But this was a movie that was actually, I think, after you and I both watched it, it was covered on 
uh, the YouTube channel Deadbeat. And funnily enough, the the kill count for that movie, that fan film, has more views than the actual movie on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. Because that's just how big Dead Meat has become. Right. But anyway, without getting to the specifics of that movie, it's a really good fan film. Oh, great. Yeah, it's it's a great fan film. It's the best. And it, not that it's saying much, because a lot of fan films are shit. There's yeah. also a lot of good ones, but this one was the one every Friday fan was talking about. And there's a lot of Friday the 13th fan films specifically. Um, and they a lot of them are really bad. I've seen quite a few at this point, and that was really the one that was handled with care. Like you said, that's that's the best one for sure. And then um, with the with the cameo of Tom Matthews at the yeah, end, awesome. And then this, the the, the much awaited sequel, I think it was pushed back because of COVID, just like everything else. It finally came out a few weeks ago, um, in the middle of October. It's called Never Hike in the Snow, and this is by uh, filmmaker Vincent DeSanti, um, who's gained a little bit in popularity because of the success of Never Never Hike Alone. Um, you and I both watched it the night it came out, I believe. I, I know I did. What what did you give? Give me a quick recap. Give me your your, your initial thoughts of the movie. Give me your thoughts now that we're sitting here on November 9th. Has the movie gotten better? Has it gotten worse? Give me your thoughts. So never hike alone. Uh, I think has a runtime of about fifty minutes. Yeah, give or take a few. So when you click on a link for never hike in the snow, it comes up as about twenty six minutes. So you're thinking maybe there's a part one and part two. So may, you know, so maybe it's about fifty minutes long. You just gotta break it up into two videos. So I'll just start with this. Uh, the opening is awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, fans have always asked for, uh, Jason to be in the snow. It's just camp crystal Lake snow time winter in mm-hmm. New Jersey. It's just never been done. So we've been asking for it and we finally got it. And it, we got a great opening scene an opening chase, uh, a great kill. Good effects too, like when they, when, when they show his dead body, they, they show that right. that shot of his face. Yeah, man. When I when I clicked on the video and I saw that it was like twenty six minutes long, I thought I clicked on the wrong video. Right. I was like, oh no, I meant to click on Never Hike in the Snow because I I thought if anything it was going to be longer because if you you know you're building off of the success that was Never Hike Alone and it was a success for you know from a fan film perspective. Right. Um, this movie was a letdown for me. Not only was it too short, it really left you wanting more, but I just didn't really understand the storyline or how it tied into the first one. And maybe that remains to be seen because DeSanti is on record saying there's going to be more, there's going to be more of these films. And I think his, his, his studio is, is Womp Stomp Films, I believe. And, and they're going to be producing more of these Friday 13th fan films. So maybe this movie will look better in time. But for me personally, this was a little bit of a letdown. It was let down for me too, um, and like he said himself, uh, the reason why this runtime was so short is because uh, they were on a budget. Like they had a big budget for this movie, because you can tell from the cast uh, they brought back Tom Matthews as the lead. He wasn't just some cameo at the end of the movie, and they brought back Deputy Rick Colon, uh, who's actually the sheriff now, played by Vincent Gustafero. I hope I'm saying that right. So I'm sure that you know may have affected the budget a little bit more to have you know him in the movie sure but when you're watching a fan film you don't care about the budget and i'm sure after you watch never hike alone you didn't say well that movie's great but i just wish the budget was bigger no one was asking for a bigger budget and a shorter movie so yeah they, they finally put jason in the snow and i like i swear to god like as long as the internet has been around people have been asking for Jason to be in the snow. I remember mm-hmm. reading shit about that when we were kids. Too young to be even watching these movies. 
I think if the movie was longer, it, it would have been worth the wait to see Jason in the snow because, again, that opening scene is, is so good and it's so pretty, mm-hmm. seeing the bloodshed on the snow and, and everything. And the opening scene and the final scene are so good, but the in-between is just kind of filled with bullshit, with uh, like the, flashback scenes that we don't really care about and we didn't, never really needed like explanation to. I, I want to. I know this is a fan film, so it's it's almost you know it, it's hard. <laughs> we're to, ripping on you know something that we wish that we could do. But. It's like, and we're we're only yeah right, and we're only criticizing it because we liked the first one so much. But like, here's a message to anyone who who wants to make a Jason film, and I don't have the talent to do so. So take that. So take this for what it's worth. We don't need Pamela Voorhees involved at all. It's like so that 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 part of the that part of the movie you could have just completely bypassed that and I also don't I don't I don't see where it ties in to the Never Hike Alone storyline, uh, but again maybe that remains to be seen. Right. And I like found myself being bored in a twenty six minute movie. I I was fast forwarding a lot and to be fair it's not a twenty six minute movie, uh, it's twenty minutes with six minutes of credit and that's another huge problem I have with this movie. Right. Um, the average credits for a 90 minute movie is about three to four minutes. So that's six minutes worth of credits in a 20 minute movie. Uh, that sounds like pretentious and like, I don't think like saving private Ryan even had six minute credits. (laughs) So I don't know who you're thanking. Like you're probably thanking your extended family, your neighbor's family. Like who are you thanking in six minutes? I think if we look at it, like, you know, maybe the, the additional, um, movies, from DeSanti and Wompstomp films. Maybe they build off this. Maybe they tie in a little bit um, to where this movie looks better and makes more sense in retrospect. But, you know, we'll see. But the thing is, I don't think that we'll get a part two anytime soon. There's no sign of it. I could see maybe if you make a 20-minute short film and then a month later you drop part two. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's coming for another year or two. Yeah. And by the way, there is a new uh, Friday the 13th fan film by a guy named Cody Falk, and it's called Voorhees, and it came out on Halloween. I know about it because I'm a fan of Cody Leach and his YouTube channel, and Cody was talking about it. Um, So we're going to be checking that out, and we'll get back to you with our thoughts on that. But it's supposed to be pretty good. The early reviews look promising. So check out Never Hike in the Snow on YouTube. Check out Voorhees on YouTube. Let's get into the episode, Mike. We're doing something a little bit different, something we haven't done before. We are going to be talking about... Look, I mean, honestly, we've talked about some shitty movies already from our rankings. From, I feel like our whole podcast is really shitty movies, but... Well, we did 28... That's, that's a slasher genre, though. We did 28 Days Later. So we that, did. That's, okay. You know, that's Oscar-worthy compared to some of the films we've covered. But uh, we're going to be talking about two movies that are so bad they're good. And, dude, there are no shortage of them in the horror genre, especially... Once you get into the slasher genre a little bit, uh, one of these movies, and this is going to be like an ongoing series, by the way, not 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 consecutively, but you know we're going to be intertwining this with our original versus remake and interviews and whatever the hell else we want to do because that's what this podcast is. Uh, one of the movies we're talking about today uh, has a big budget. The other one, I'll put it to you this way, does not have a big budget. Let's get into our first movie. This is <laughs> how do I how do I introduce this movie, man? I, I've seen this movie a lot. It's from 2000. <laughs> it's from 2008. It's from a guy everybody has heard of, the name M Night Shyamalan. This movie is called The Happening, and it stars a guy everybody has heard of. His name is Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark. He's been in a few movies. <laughs> a few. Yeah. So it's called The Happening. Where to begin? This movie was marketed as M Night Shyamalan's first R-rated movie. Of course, M Night was known 
for The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, even The Village at this point he was known for. Two years prior to this movie, Lady in the Water came out. Um, and Lady in the Water was, before M. Night Shyamalan had this resurgence in recent years, Lady in the Water was like the beginning of the downfall. Of it that, really of was. That, I mean, of M. He, Night's career. he obviously had The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Signs. And he comes out with Lady in the Water, and people were just thinking, all right, you know, you have one flop. That's okay. Right. You come out with The Happening. Um, what the hell happened? I mean, we obviously like this movie enough to be talking about it, cause, but we like it because it's so bad. I'll tell you what, man. Mark Wahlberg in this movie, uh, part of it is the writing, obviously. It's like um, sarcastic. I, I feel yeah. like he's not trying, but like he knows how bad it is. He looks so disinterested in this movie. Uh, and, and and some of it some of it is the writing, but also the way he delivers his lines, like like every word he utters in this movie, sounds. Why is everybody saying that? It sounds comical. It's terrible. But also, it's just not. It's not just Mark Wahlberg, by the way. Zoe, Zoe Deschanel in this movie sucks. And I feel like she wasn't really even that famous no. in this point in time, and somehow she still was able to make a big name for herself, but. You know, for her to be this bad in this movie so early in her career and still make a name for herself is yeah, impressive. Really. But you thought this would have been, you know, this would have killed her career. This movie starts out decent enough, like with the with the construction workers falling off the building. I just think that's a pretty good shot, and it's a little, it's a little bit really scary. chilling. Yeah, yeah the it's opening scary, man. scene is chilling. Uh, the opening scene in Central Park. Yeah, the uh, construction scene. But then you get into Mark Wahlberg's immediate, almost immediately his bad acting in the classroom. He's a science teacher, by the way, and he's right. talking about honeybees. <laughs> and and for those of you wondering, um, the opening scene takes place in Philadelphia High School. That's not a real high school because no. we're from the area and we can fact check that for you. That's not real. So Mark Wahlberg is not actually a teacher at Philadelphia High School, just for you guys. Yeah, it's probably the worst portrayal of a teacher ever. I mean, he's just, he comes off so corny almost immediately. Science is important. Do you think that pretty face will always stay intact? <laughs> yeah, every line Wahlberg delivers in this movie is complete shit, man. He has said on record that this is the one movie that he regrets doing. Um, so I'll give him that for at least, you know, he knows this movie was a pile of shit and... But the reason why this movie is good, though, is because of Mark Wahlberg. Correct. Just in the worst way possible. <laughs> Not in the way that he intended or M. Night intended. Yeah. There's that There's that scene, like, in the beginning where they're, they're first escaping town and they're at, like, the diner. And the lady turns to him with her cell phone and, like, the lion is eating the zookeeper's arms off. Like, why would that lady fucking show a video to a stranger? Look at <laughs> this. When he's with, he's with a little girl. All of the acting in this movie is bad. The guy who plays Julian, I forget his name, and it, it's not John that. Leguizamo. Yeah, there you go. He's one of those guys that is in yeah. movies all the time, and like you know him. I don't know his name, but you know his face. Uh, but but he's also terrible in this movie for what it's worth. And there's the scene where like he's going after his wife. Everyone has escaped town. People are dying. Everyone's committing mass suicides. And he's escaping town. He's looking for his wife. His wife's in Princeton, New Jersey. And Zoe Deschanel's character takes his daughter's hand. And what does he say, Mike? Del deliver the line for me. Don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. <laughs> like, dude, she's just trying to help out. Right. Like, don't be a dick to the person that's, like, saving your daughter's life. This movie, like, it's probably intentionally tongue-in-cheek, at least to a little bit. That's what 
M. Night Shyamalan has um, said in recent interviews, I don't think he said this when the movie came out. I think once it became like noted how bad this movie is, he kind of said, oh, well, this whole movie was supposed to be, you know, a farce. Not, yeah. not don't take it seriously. Try to cover his ass a little bit. I, th- I think that's what he's trying to do. I think this movie was made definitely to be serious and to be taken seriously. Yeah, because there's there's moments where it's it's so overly melodramatic and like there's sad music playing. How about the scene with the hot dogs, man? What is it with that guy in the hot dogs? <laughs> like they're trying to escape town and they meet this couple that are willing to help them and drive them out of town. And this guy just <laughs> this guy just keeps talking about <laughs> I guy, fucking love this movie. This guy just keeps talking about hot dogs. He's like, I like hot dogs. Do you like hot dogs? You like hot dogs, right? Like he's fixated on hot dogs. <laughs> and then his wife walks out of the house and he's like, Did you get the buns? Or did you get the mustard? <laughs> There's just this there's this obsession with hot dogs in like this five minute scene that just makes no sense. And Zoe Deschanel, man, her not only is she bad in this movie from an acting perspective, but her character also blows. Yeah, like she's there's... like she's low key cheating on Mark Wahlberg's character. Like she had dinner with some other guy, and I I think we're supposed to be rooting for her, but she just comes off terrible. So this movie has about an hour and a half of runtime. Um, it's a really boring movie, especially. The middle of it and yeah. i'm talking so the beginning is really good then probably for the next 60 minutes you can just zone out and anything you pay attention to is just the acting because there's really not much happening for a movie called the happening did you i was gonna say did you just, uh, did you say happening you called it okay <laughs> but even when you watch like the trailers for this and when this movie was first coming out they never really marketed what this movie's about it was just always and Light Shyamalan's first R-rated movie, but you never knew what the movie was really about. Yeah, and then and like, you watch, and and then you're watching the movie, and you still really don't know what it's about. M Night's first R-rated movie, like you and I talk about how sometimes PG-13 horror can be so watered down, so corny, so obviously catered to teenagers. Um, so like you know, you not that M Night Shyamalan's movies were prior right. to this. Yeah, because like the Sixth Sense is PG-13. It's scary right? shit. It's one of the best. Yeah. yeah thrillers of all time yeah but then you get this and like okay maybe he's turning it up even another notch yeah and then he's trying to make a comeback from lady in the water so he's gonna make an r-rated movie come back and then you see mark Wahlberg is casted and it's like so you have the makings here of what could have been Mm -hmm. a promising movie um and like i don't know what the fuck happened here i don't know if like the, the studio got involved but this was this is just a gigantic misfire like there's a scene where Wahlberg is talking to a plant and then he realizes the plan is fake, but yet he keeps talking to it. I mean, I found that scene to be very deep. I actually cried for a little bit. <laughs> There's that one scene. I'll point this out. Like the, right after that is when a guy, he, the, he has this riding lawnmower, and he and he puts it in motion, and it kills him. It runs runs himself over with it. That's a pretty good kill. Like there's a right. there's a few moments in this movie where like okay, I'll give it to you. It's right, pretty, pretty so decent. This movie is rated R, but there's really not any language, any sex. So it is really radar just for, you know, the thought of suicide. Like, yeah. you don't want, like, a 13-year-old watching this shit. Dude, I wonder, like, if that opening scene where the construction workers were falling off the building, like, is that alone enough for a movie to be rated R? Just because, like, it's a disturbing right. scene. Like, you're insinuating mass, mass suicides. Oh, yeah. And that scene where they where they come across the, the old lady who's living by herself, um, and they're trying to get in, and, like, she's suspicious. She thinks they're, like... You know, like they're suicidal. They're going to come in and kill her and rob her or whatever. And so Mark Wahlberg is trying to prove that they're not infected. 
and Mark Wahlberg starts singing for some reason. He starts singing like completely out of tune and it just sounds like a complete fucking joke. Yeah, that's really when you start to see his acting chops. Uh, you know, I'm surprised he wasn't nominated for an Oscar. On the flip side, he was nominated for a Razzie. He was. And so was our pal M. Night, Philly's own. This movie was actually nominated for the worst film of the year by the Chainsaw Awards. Um, it didn't win. It lost to Prom Night, uh, the 2008 remake of the 1980 movie Prom Night. But, like, why was Mark Wahlberg's character depended on in this movie? Like, he's a middle school science teacher. <laughs> right, like, <laughs> but, when, like, the train stops, yeah. he's the only one of all the passengers to ask what's going on. Like, the world is literally fucking ending. And yet, uh, like, this... Let's see what Mark Wahlberg has to say. Yeah. He's a he Philadelphia high school science teacher. He teaches fourth grade science. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, a third track high school science teacher. <laughs> The ending, you know, I don't hate the ending. Like, it's obviously cryptic, but, like, I honestly think if they tried to explain what was happening, quote-unquote, it would have—it <laughs> could have been even worse. Because, like, right. it could, they could have just, like, convoluted it, and the movie was shit enough. Where I honestly think M. Night was just like, let's just end it. We'll leave, right. we'll leave it up for interpretation to try to act like we're trying to make a deep movie here. So, most of his other movies are about an hour and 50 minutes long. This was— 20 minutes uh, shorter than the average. So this is by far his shortest movie. So he definitely ran out of what the fuck he was writing, what the fuck he was doing. For sure. Because there's nothing, you know, I mean, like this movie has to end eventually. Because there's just Mark Wahlberg, like, wandering around the field, just going house to house. It's almost what's it's, happening. It's almost like the studio went to him. It was like, M. Night, we want you to make an R-rated movie. And we have Mark Wahlberg for you on a silver platter. So, I mean, it worked, man. Uh they made 163 million at the box office. Yeah, and they knew it would. I mean, the way you marketed it as his first R-rated movie with Wahlberg, of course, it's going to make mm-hmm. money. And by the way, Wahlberg was coming off Invincible, which is a which is a pretty good movie. It's very popular in this area, yeah, in the Philadelphia area, because it's about the Eagles. Um, but he's coming off The Departed. Departed, yeah. <laughs> like he's coming off some big roles here, man. Like, like, like even smaller films that were well received, like Four Brothers and Shooter. Like even those movies. I mean, to go from those movies. Obviously, The Departed is on the next level, but even to go from those movies to this movie, it's a it's a pretty steep drop. This was the height of his career. Yeah, and um, so we we spoke about Zoe Deschanel. Amy Adams was actually in talks to play that role, and Wahlberg years later said Amy Adams dodged a bullet um, by not accepting the that role. That she did. And after this movie, M Night went on to direct uh, The Last Airbender. So this was really like the pinnacle. M. Night was getting a lot of criticism around this around this time, rightfully and after, so. And after that was After Earth with Will Smith and Jan Smith. Oof. I mean, yeah. This was a dark time for M. Night, and especially where he's at now, after doing Split and Glass. Not that we're huge fans of those movies, but they're at least competent movies. Those yeah. were steaming piles of shit. M. Night came back around, like he came back around to the small budget stuff with The Visit. Which I think was released right. in like the mid two thousand tens, if I recall correctly. Uh, I think two thousand sixteen, fifteen, sure. and that was really when he got back to his roots. That was really a small budget movie, yeah. like you said. Yeah, that was something there was like no risk. So, but there was probably a studio that wasn't willing to give him thirty yeah. million dollars to make a movie. Sure, it's good to see M Night doing well again, honestly, because he's from Philly too. Right, and like I mean, you and I both grew up so watching. We're biased. Yeah, but we both grew up watching The Sixth Sense. Right. We grew up watching Signs, which was filmed in our backyard, essentially. Um, and a movie like Unbreakable. I've always loved Unbreakable. So, like, 
To, yeah, he's to, a guy you want to see yeah. succeed. He's always, he's always and been you know easy that the for. ideas are there. Like you know, he's a good filmmaker. So when he makes pieces of shit, it's kind of like discouraging. Yeah, because you know the potential's there. You don't go from making the Sixth Sense to the Last Airbender <laughs> w- without a chance of recovery and kind of redeeming yourself. So it, it, he's an easy guy to root for. How much of this is M Night's fault, and how much of it is Mark Wahlberg's fault? Well, I mean, in in Mark Wahlberg's defense, it's a shitty movie regardless. Like, it's a shitty script, right? Right. Like the lines he says, although he says them in a ridiculous fashion, they're still really fucking stupid lines. You could have like Marlon Brando like yeah. reciting this, and he would look like an asshole. Yeah, I don't want to defend Wahlberg too much because he's got awful on this. But I mean, I I think I think ultimately you you, you have to blame Shyamalan and you have to blame the writers. It's, it's his movie, ultimately. right? Yeah. Yeah. So to recap on this movie, it opened June 13th of 2008, made $30 million in the box office this opening weekend. That was good for number three, behind The Incredible Hulk and Kung Fu Panda. This got a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics, and the audience gave it a 24%. Mike, are you trying to steal my beer? What? No. It's refreshment time, and our refreshment stand is loaded with good things to eat. There's crispy, crunchy popcorn, and hot, delicious buttered popcorn, lots of candy, and frosty, refreshing cold drinks. Why not treat yourself at the refreshment center now? Next movie on the docket is Birdemic, Shock and Terror. I can barely say that movie without laughing. Uh, this was a movie that came out in 2010. I actually never even heard of this movie until you told me about it, Mike, a couple of weeks ago. Goddamn, is this movie something else? So I'm a big sucker for terrible movies. Um, I'm actually a really big fan of The Room, written, directed, and starring Tommy Wiseau. I actually have it on DVD. Uh, that came out in 2003, I believe. Uh, I really started getting into bad movies uh, when I was in college with you in Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I found out about this movie. Um, this came out in 2008, wasn't released really until 2010 by Bloody Disgusting at a premiere in Los Angeles. Um, it has a budget of $10,000. So Ty, we have what, about a budget of like 150 bucks here at Corn Syrup? Yeah, we you know, 175 maybe. 175. Um, our sound quality is about 30 times better than this $10,000 budget. I don't know what they did with this money, but this looks like it has a budget of $10. I also <laughs> I also know nothing about making a movie, but I also I also know that I can edit a film a lot better than this movie was edited. <laughs> I, I I don't know what happened here, dude. I Honest to God, they were they were trying to make a movie here. Like this wasn't supposed to be right. This wasn't supposed to be shit. So before we get into this movie, there is a Birdemic too, but I feel like that's more tongue in cheek. Like they realized how bad this movie was, right? So they didn't take it serious, and you can see, you know, like they know it's a bad movie. This movie, I think they were dead serious. Isn't that kind of what happened with Sharknado? Yeah, I think so, and you know that turned into four or five sequels. Yeah, an entire. So fan, it entire like it loses its like a lure, you sure. know, because the first one is great because you're thinking the whole time like, are these people fucking serious? And yeah, they are. This movie, this dude was serious. James Nguyen, he was dead serious when he made this movie, and that's what makes it so fucking good. 
It's 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 so incompetent on every goddamn level. But like the beginning of this movie, talk about it, Mike. I mean, it's literally just this guy driving for like the first five seven minutes in the movie to like this terrible music. The movie is just a drag. And like it's not like it's a short movie. This movie is an hour and forty five minutes long. Like there are Oscar winning movies that are like an hour and forty five minutes. Um, the opening scene is awesome. It's a dude driving for seven minutes. You don't see his face. Um, if you're not invested in this movie in the first seven minutes, then you don't have a pulse. <laughs> There's so much going on. You know, just a shitty camera angle from someone sitting in the passenger seat of a car uh, with really good music. Uh, you know, it's just like you just get so invested. And then he arrives at the restaurant. He gets out of his car and he starts walking into the restaurant. And I <laughs> it's realized like he's never fucking walked in his life. I realized, holy shit, this guy not only can't act, he doesn't know how to fucking walk. <laughs> it's like the uh, director was like, "All right, now I need you to walk." And he's like, oh, "Oh, okay, you're asking a lot, buddy, but all right, just act normal." And then he just walks like he's fucking taking his first steps ever. <laughs> Oh, man. And then he gets into the restaurant. That's where you get, like, the first bite of, uh, no pun intended, that's where you get the first bite of, uh, like, how bad the sound is and the editing. Because this, this has to be one of the worst actors of all time, the waitress that seats him. She had one line. One line. He goes, <laughs> so, first of all, half of the movie sounds like this, and then the other half sounds like this. Yeah, it's really that bad, dude. I mean, this was, this movie seems like it was made by somebody who never saw a movie before. <laughs> somebody who never saw a movie before. That's how bad this is, dude. And I think the funniest part is, like, the uh, director is, like, supposedly such an asshole and so hard to work with. Yeah. So, like, you hear about guys like Edward Norton and Christian Bale who are so hard to work with. And then there's, like, guys like James Nguyen who are so hard to work with that make pieces of shit like this. Man, the lead actor, his name is Rod in the movie. Uh, his name is Alan Bog in real life. I just Googled it here as I'm, as I'm sitting here. Trust me, I don't memorize that name. But yeah, okay. I saw an interview on YouTube, man. He seems like a, like, a likable guy. I almost felt bad for him. But Jesus Christ, is he so bad in this movie? I it's mean, like he's never had any human interaction in his life. Like He acts like an alien in yeah. this movie. The way he just talks to people, the way he even walks, like we talked about... And he picks up girls in this movie. It's like, what the fuck are you doing to pick up girls? Yeah. Like, you're <laughs> look. There's no nobody is. Trust me when I say this. Nobody is good in this movie. But this guy's fucking horrible. This guy really takes the cake. But I really think the script in this movie. It sounds like somebody Nguyen. It sounds like a script that was written by somebody who didn't have the grasp of not only the English language but like American culture. Right. Uh, because it's like, th this girl wants to be a model, and it turns out in the movie, she, she somehow goes from being this broke-ass model She's to She's like working at like a one-hour photo. Literally, a one-hour photo. She goes from that to a matter of five minutes, she's a Victoria's Secret cover model. She, uh, yeah, she, she goes from CVS to Victoria's Secret in about and two the, minutes. And the lead character, Rod, has this million-dollar sale. <laughs> and I love his pitch. He said, I'll save you 50% if yeah. you do this deal. All right, so you could have made $2 million. He's going to a million. You're actually a terrible salesman. Yeah. But it's like it was written I by... just made a deal for a million dollars. He uh, sounds like Donald Trump. A million dollars. <laughs> Dude, half the time, Rod just stumbles over his words. Yeah. It's like he stumbles over... He's obviously new to acting. 
And, like, he stumbles over his words, but, like, they didn't reshoot any of the scenes. This movie also has one of the best basketball scenes since Catwoman. It's up there. Where Rod's hooping with his buddy, and he's, like, banking him down, and he turns around, and I think he tosses up an air ball. <laughs> so this movie, for the first 48 minutes, just follows the most boring character we could ever imagine, Rod. He's not smooth. He's not cool. Like, there's nothing intriguing about this character. Like, you're just hoping... You're just hoping that once the birds come, they just kill him immediately. So when the birds do come, we catch our main characters, Rod and Natalie, at a cheap motel having sex. Now, mind you, Rod just made a million dollar sale and has his own house. Natalie's on the front page of Victoria's Secret, <laughs> and they're having sex in a cheap motel. How's that work? Rod also, like, once he cashed in on that million-dollar sale or something, he, like, quit his job and, and started a startup company and yeah. sold it. Well, he also bought those uh, solar panels. You can't yeah. forget that. So if you're dating somebody and they just said that they made a million-dollar sale and they take you back to, like, a Motel 6 to have sex, like, you're you're going to think that they're full of shit. Yeah, but no, but she still has sex with them. And then they wake up the next morning and that's when the birds attack and... Rod's sitting there like a fucking idiot, like, I can't find my car keys. Uh. <laughs> Dude, how about the CGI of the birds? Um, it's it's up there with one of the best I've ever seen in my life. It's like Avatar. Avatar quality, like Titanic. It, like, it looks like that James Cameron was behind the camera. So the scene you're about to hear, this is about 50 minutes into the movie. Um, this is when you first hear the birds. So you'll get a glimpse of what the sound effects are like. Um, and this is our first encounter with these killer birds. Just take a listen. Dude, it sounds like I'm at the Jersey Shore and someone's feeding Doritos to seagulls. <laughs> that, that shit goes on for 50 seconds. like, And that's your first encounter with the birds. Like... God damn, I hate this fucking movie. But I love it so much at the same time. <laughs> Dude, how about the going back to this the part where they're having sex in this in this sleazy hotel when she comes out naked in her lingerie and he goes, "You look divine." <laughs> and like the way he looks at her, like it's the way I look at my like alarm clock when I wake up in the morning. He's just like <laughs> <laughs> This had a what? $10,000 budget. $10,000 budget. Somehow, I don't know if like Ron Tomatoes is like making a joke of it or not. I'm assuming they are. This got 26% on Ron Tomato by the critics, uh, 18% by the audience. This is obviously a 1% movie um, yeah. by critics and audience alike. It's just one of those movies that you need to watch every so often, every couple years. It's so bad it's good. If you need a good laugh... Dude, I would I would implore everybody to watch to this. watch this movie. Like, like it's it's that bad. It, it's almost hard to believe that this movie actually exists. I was shocked to hear that this was on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I know. I thought I would have to search like the dark web to find this, but nah, it's right on Amazon Prime. It's right on Amazon Prime, man. Watch and it. So is the happening. I I would yes. actually recommend this over the happening. Yeah. Just for how bizarre this movie is. And I think this is more enjoyable and entertaining. I've never seen a movie like Birdemic, dude. It, like it's no. that it's it's that bad, yet it's trying so hard. Like it's hard to believe what you're watching right. while watching this. 
but yet it wasn't in the mainstream for it to be nominated for any Razzies right. or anything like that. It just kind of came and went, but right. it has kind of developed like a cult. I don't want to say following it because, did. because for for the wrong reasons. But yeah, guys, check out these movies, especially Birdemic, man. If you love bad movies, watch both these, but Birdemic is just next level. The Happening, if you want to watch Mark Wahlberg fall on his face, watch that movie too. Uh, Mike, you got anything else? No, I don't. I just hope everyone enjoyed their Halloween. Um, yeah. I've learned a lot from my uh, administrative leave from Corn Syrup for my insensitive tweets. Uh, hey, hey, man, it's enough. We love you. We, hey, we, we look, have forgiven you. I was 18 when I saw the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I didn't know what I was thinking. Um, it was just so fresh to me. And I just hope, you know, all the fans, my family, and you especially, you just can forgive me. All right, guys, we are fast approaching the holidays. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. We will be back in two weeks. We appreciate your support. Take care. <laughs>